up, everyone? This is Must Go Faster, a pop culture podcast for the people. I'm your co-host, Ben Brantlinger, broadcasting from Brooklyn. And out in Long Beach, California, talking to you on the poop deck of a majestic schooner, I'm Robert Denfeld. I have no idea what you're <laughs> do there, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with it. Rob, For the are... three people that get that, that's going to be really funny, yeah. hopefully. If any of you are still listening after that, I yeah. hope, you're, hope you're still with us. But It's a, it's are... a reference to Succession. Okay. Uh, spoiler. Yeah. We'll be we'll be talking succession on this pod. So yeah. we are we are back, Rob. We're we're back. Yes. As, finally. As like I don't know, like Eminem used to say that all the time. Like when he guess who's back? Make, you know, and it's right, right. Uh, it has been it has been a while. It, I know. It, is, it was our longest hiatus by far. Uh, we took missed you, man. Cool three to four months. Uh, yes, likewise. But our AirPods are in. Yes. Right? You're, okay, we're still rocking AirPods. Oh, yeah. And still we rocking are, AirPods, definitely. We are ready to go with a new episode of Must Go Faster. We needed to take a few months uh, for a few reasons. Mm-hmm. I, on my end, I took this intensive like eight-week design course on top of my full-time work. And uh, Rob, do you want to tell the listeners what, uh, what you've been up to, actually? Yeah, so I just finished up my first quarter of graduate school at UCLA. I'm attending their School of Theater, Film, and Television, and I'm on the MFA cinematography track. So, you know, hopefully in the next few years, I'll be receiving a master's degree in something that I'm super passionate about. Um, It's been a dream of mine for many years to go to grad school, uh, you know, for film and uh, finally doing it at a great program and, you know, ideal location in L.A., and yeah, it's been great so far. Really busy, a lot of hard work, um, especially this first quarter. But I've met a ton of great people so far. Had some really, you know, rewarding experiences already, and I'm learning a ton. And yeah, hopefully, yeah, you know, turning my passion into a profession. So it's been great. And you're currently, uh, you're sitting in a director's chair wearing tinted, <laughs> yeah, yeah. tinted glasses. Right. I, is that your, you're like, I heard you like scream at your assistant earlier to make sure your coffee was brewed. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm still hunched over a microphone in a small chair in my small apartment, but yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, you know. Anyway. Well, um, so yeah, that, that kind of just gives you a quick like that we just weren't, uh, doing nothing the yeah. last few months. We had our, our own, uh professional endeavors that we we wanted to yeah tackle. and the pod's and, been on the mind yeah, yeah and we've we've been missing it definitely and we couldn't really commit the same time and energy into the pod to give you the quality content that our listeners deserve so rather than kind of giving people something half-assed and stressing right. ourselves out trying to like squeeze it out we just we thought we would take a little break so thanks all for bearing with us and we hope the rust isn't too strong here <laughs> yeah right it, it doesn't suck, not too but, noticeable hopefully Yeah. So in this episode, we are going to talk about the year in TV, as I think we both well documented uh, last year at our end of the year series. We are obsessed with end of the year recaps, (laughs) rankings. I've devoured so many of them already from, you know, a plethora (laughs) of uh, media sites. I mean, literally, like, I, I just see, like, it could be from... Anywhere, just I'm, I'm saving. I'm reading that. I'm, I'm, I'm any ranking end of the year, best of the year. Yeah, I, that's I'm it's into. got your name on it. I know, that's your thing. So I we, like them too. Yeah, la- yeah. Last year we did uh, our best 
uh, like TV episodes and seasons. We did our, our uh-huh. best songs. We did our best movies, and we kind of just going to run that series back this year. So starting with yeah, the with year a little TV, twist on them. Not not the exact same framing, but um, yeah, you know the same general three main subjects. Yeah, sure and. Yeah, in this episode about uh, the year in TV, we're not necessarily going to do a ranking, but kind of go through some categories we came up with instead. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, excited to get to it. I guess before too, we man. get started with those categories, Rob, did you have any kind of like overall uh, pondering thoughts of the year in TV uh, or anything? About the year in TV? Yeah, I mean, well, just full disclosure for the listeners, like we haven't, I don't think we've really touched on much tv this year you know Mm. in the pod and outside of the pod you know we haven't spoken to each other much in the past couple months um just with our crazy lives and how busy we've been but um yeah i mean this year it was i would say a really good year in tv maybe not quite as strong as last year if i'm looking at the entire year as a whole but Mm -hmm. um there were a lot of great shows, a lot of new great shows, a lot of like great first seasons, I would say. And then um, just from my personal experience, I think I watched less TV this year than in previous years, um, especially the past few. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, just with circumstances, a lot of work, a lot of uh, a lot of good movies to watch and, you know, busy schedule. I just wasn't quite as like enamored with some things that came out. I, I kind of bailed on a few shows, which is different for me. Um, yeah, I mean, and also like during the summer, I was working quite a bit and I it felt like for a while I just didn't watch much TV. You know, mm-hmm. I was trying to, uh, you know, consume media in other forms and, mm-hmm. you know, go into movies when I had free time. So yeah, I think it was kind of a different year for me personally but a really good strong year in terms of like the overall uh you know choices that we had as viewers um mm-hmm. i would yeah, say i, I can kind of consumed a lot on netflix <laughs> like netflix has really like I mean, taken it's, over it's, my life in a lot of ways but yeah, yeah the most convenient vehicle to consume right. content these days <laughs> i think yeah i can definitely relate to that um you know i would say this year kind of more than ever in this golden age peak tv era that seems Mm -hmm. like we've been in for like the last 20 years almost um but i did not feel like i did not have fomo like the fear of missing out as much especially since we had a a godless year no game of thrones (laughs) right right biggest show probably of all time um (laughs) right and I think a lot of shows uh, benefited from that, getting the kind of attention that they may have not gotten without the behemoth that is Game of Thrones just taking up <laughs> yeah. everyone's attention. Um, but, you know, there's just so much. I mean, it's been this way for years, but so much out there, so many different services, channels, right. it's so fractured and fragmented that you kind of just pick and choose what you want to watch without fear of, of missing out. And I yeah. was at peace at what, with what I chose to watch and didn't have this, like, oh my God, I got to get this, this. Because it's like, we're not TV critics. And again, we are more passionate about film and, and movies and kind of like seeing as much of that as possible compared you know, mm-hmm. to TV. And I don't know, I, it, it was kind of nice to like be at ease. And I think, yeah, I mean, Game of Thrones is kind of the, and you know, I'd say to lesser extent, like Stranger Things. And you know, there's a few other examples, but like a show where you truly do feel like you're missing out on mm-hmm. if you're not uh, partaking. Um you know, if you didn't watch Succession and you like read The Ringer, like yeah, you probably had FOMO <laughs> right. because they, you know, they yeah. said that like it was The Godfather. But anyway, um, 
So do you want to get into some of these categories? Yeah, let's do it. Why don't so you let's kick things off. Introduce, yeah. With a breakthrough performance of the year. Yeah, uh, great category. Do you want me to go? Should you go? Um, I guess we should have went over this before, but let's... I think, let's I think you it. should start, yeah, because okay. I want to touch on the person that you chose. Yes, so my breakthrough performance, and this is from a show that we we talked about enthusiastically earlier this year. Yeah. Is uh Jody Comer mm-hmm. as the assassin Villanelle in Killing Eve. Did I get all I mean yes. not that those were very hard to yeah. No you got I was them. just waiting. <laughs> right, yeah. Jody Comer. Um yeah. so yeah, I've gotten better on my pronunciations, I guess. Nice. So this show, it kind of came out of nowhere earlier this spring. We talked about it, we praised it, it was awesome. And the best thing about it, I think, was was her performance. Definitely. Villanelle. I can see you breathing. I got you. Yes. A bit. Admit it. A tiny bit. A tiny bit, yes. Were you scared? No. Did you think I was dead? No. Would you be sad? Of course. The way she kind of flips that switch from charming to just pure evil. Yeah. It's like one minute you wish she was dead. The other minute you want to like spoon her in bed. Yeah. Like hang out with her. Honestly. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, it. but then she, I mean, God, the, the body count in the show of how many people she like mm. ruthlessly assassinates. It's, it's remarkable. And I, I don't know. I just found the performance just like so seductive and magnetic she obviously had no remorse for what she was doing and it would kind of drive the viewer crazy because Mm -hmm. she did have this side of her that was like kind of very likable and you're almost rooting for her in a weird way you know when she wasn't on the screen i wish that she was i just think it was amazing casting i had never heard of her before um you know she has this very thick uh, Russian accent. I believe she uh-huh. might. She's I think, Irish, I believe. Or yeah, I'm not actually sure. I didn't look it up. And she's pretty young. I think she's like 24 or so. Uh, don't quote me on yeah. that on a podcast. But yeah, uh, she's she's young. Yeah, and I don't believe she was nominated for an Emmy. I know Sandra O oh was mm-hmm. nominated and won. Uh, who was very good in this show as well. But I thought she is was the standout. And I know they're making a second season. Maybe she'll get some love next year. But yeah, that that is my choice for breakthrough performance. It was the nice. thing that first jumped in my mind. Um, really incredible and a show that I, I recommended to a lot of people and one of the one of the best shows of the year in general. I agree. Yeah, and so I wanted you to go first because that was actually my first choice. It's what popped into my head first, but um, we didn't want to have the exact same answer for that. But yeah, I just wanted to also shout out Jodie Comer as Villanelle. She was amazing. And the dynamic between her and Sandra Oh uh, was just great on screen and one of the most captivating performances all year. And mm-hmm. um, so since you chose her, I had to go back to the drawing board and I chose... I know why I'm here. I want to be in compliance with all this. Compliance? Stefan James as Walter Cruz in Homecoming Season 1. We're here to help them. We can leave whenever we want. I do not want to be in This is about your future. We're here to help them. You should think very carefully. I can take care of them if you want. Look. So, Season 1 of Homecoming, um, I believe it premiered 
uh, shoot, I should know the exact date, but it, uh, about a month ago now. Um, November. On Amazon. Yeah, early November. Sometime in November. Okay, yeah. And they dropped the entire season, correct, on Amazon Prime all at once. Yes. And this is a 10-episode um, series, and it's coming back for a second season in 2019. It's been announced. Um, but the episodes are... 30 ish minutes like between Amazing. 25 and 35 minutes yeah it's so easily consumable the 30 you know, minute you... drama is oh, i love an, it an incredible concept and i cannot believe no one has really thought of it or has, has done it <laughs> until now i know i mean there have been a few i can think of but not many and it's such a like it's such a pleasurable experience to have this like highly dramatic thing but then excuse me it's just over after you know 30 minutes and right you can choose to move on to the next one it's it's not so it's not so intimidating to look at and it's like oh this is you know 59 minutes it, that's a full oh you know if you're tired at night it's like uh, i don't know if i can stay up for that Might as well and, be four and a half hour if i see 59 <laughs> I minutes i mean i'm just yeah like, God. it's a chore um right, right but right. yeah this this is a great show um i highly recommend it for anybody to check out it's it's a show that's about sort of um soldier PD, ptsd and um this this i mean it's a fictional story but it has um it's based on a podcast, actually, a podcast right. series that I the believe Gimlet came Media out. Podcast, yeah, yeah. I have not heard the podcast. Have you actually? No, but yeah. I heard it's excellent. I know. I believe Oscar Isaac and Catherine Keener. Oh, uh, cool. Were like the main voice voiceovers in it. Oh, that's and, awesome. Yeah, it was made through yeah Gimlet Media, who's you know uh-huh. this major podcast Huge. network that they do. Yeah, um, you know a bunch of quality stuff. So nice. Yeah, it was it was interesting how they. You know, I, I I can't think of another show that was adapted from a podcast. I know, now, like so. how 2018 is that a a 30 minute drama series on Amazon Prime dropped all at once based on a podcast starring Oscar Isaac and Catherine yeah. Keener? Like that is That's just some, a funny sentence, yeah. Right, you but, told someone in like 1998. Yeah, what? they're like, yeah. what are you talking about? What's Amazon? Yeah, right. Um, but anyway. Stefan James is this great new actor. Um, he also stars in If Beale Street Could Talk, which I just saw. Oh, I yeah. saw an early screening of it, luckily, and which is Barry Jenkins' new film based on the James Baldwin novel. He's amazing in that. He's the co-star. Um, and his performance here as Walter Cruz is a lot of like nonverbal acting and really just like reactions and, you know, a lot of um, sort of just intense like uh facial cues and and re- responding to Julia Roberts character Heidi Bergman uh also Julia Roberts just shout out to her in this in this yeah. season she good to see Julia uh, again yeah a bit of a renaissance for her and i think probably the best thing i've seen her in quite a while uh Bobby mm-hmm. Cannavale's in it Shay Wiggum mm-hmm. who's always great plays Thomas Carrasco just the deep mystery of the show and you're trying to yeah. just figure it, figure things out with these characters. And so, yeah, I, I started to get into it and got off on a tangent, but the show basically is about, you know, this sort of, uh, experimental treatment of PTSD and these soldiers that are sent to this sort of lab to, yeah. uh, be, have experiments conducted on them and this new potential treatment of PTSD. And yeah, it's just, 
you know, this mystery unfolds. It's really fascinating, like time wise, uh, timeline wise, and it's sort of non mm-hmm. non uh, linear. And uh, Sam Esmail adapted and and directed and sort of created this show. Not sort of, he did. Um, uh, famous for Mister <laughs> yeah, Robot. Robot. Yeah, he has so much. I mean, this show is packed with like creative flourishes, and I mm-hmm. think that's a testament to his vision. Mm-hmm. I, you know, tons of like great like overhead shots and you know you kind of mentioned these flash forwards they which they shoot in like a square aspect ratio as uh-huh. opposed to the flashbacks which are like widescreen oh, it's not even square it's like or, uh it's like cell phone like vertical cell right phone right format yeah. which is unique and you know yeah the use of music and just really strong direction overall yeah and uh I, yeah I, I like this show a lot i thought it was a little anticlimactic at the yeah and but it has um you know, this kind of like 1970s paranoia, Alfred Hitchcock vibe. Mm. It's not like a show that's necessarily like over the top. You kind of expect it to maybe go in that direction, but it Mm -hmm. is fairly muted. But yeah, the direction's awesome. It's very creative, really good performances. And that 30 minute format is, I cannot say enough good things about the 30 minute drama. I I hope (laughs) 2019 is is the year of the 30 minute drama. Right, right. So let's go to our best scene or our moment of the year in TV. So my scene is from the tour de force known as Atlanta. FX presents Atlanta. Season two, Robin season. Mine too. Yes. It, it has the best scenes, <laughs> I guess, of, of any show. And my, my scene is actually from uh, an episode called Woods. And it's a moment when paperboy played by uh brian terry Terry henry he gets Mm -hmm. robbed do you know what moment i'm referring to (laughs) so what are you doing here just living man you ain't got no car but i ain't allowed to walk oh you keeping it real that's what's up that's what's up yeah that's right yeah well she I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll set it up, but I, I, it's something about Atlanta. I mean, you know, we've talked about Atlanta. It's, oh my God, people, oh, these two guys on the podcast like Atlanta. <laughs> wow, shocker. So, it, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it is like- Oh, you guys like Atlanta? Cool. Right, right. Yeah. It is, I mean, talk about creativity with Homecoming. I mean, Atlanta is the most creative show on TV. I, yeah. Our boy, Chris Ryan, from, from, not to shout out the ringer again, but he did make a really, uh, he had a nice line about Atlanta where it's like, Many shows try to keep up with culture, and Atlanta feels like it's actually creating it. Mm. It, it, it creates the culture Definitely. that the rest tries to catch up with, and that is very true. Um, For sure. Season two is great. There are a lot of standout episodes, whether it's Barbershop, uh, Helen is an amazing episode, Teddy Perkins, of course, that's probably the yeah the most talked about, as it should be with right. that incredible character that Donald Glover created. You might hear one... about that in a few minutes. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So this this scene in Woods, it stood out to me the most, though. Um, just to set it up quickly, Paperboy, he's wandering aimlessly kind of near these train tracks alongside these woods. He's approached by this trio of teenagers who kind of start giving him this sort of artificial praise, you know, to the rapper saying he's the big fan. And you can kind of tell that there's something off and so can Paperboy. Like, he's, you know, he's got a lot of street smarts and he's been around the block and he he kind of knows when when trouble is is near and Mm. there's kind of these like 
gaps and silence between the back and forth between him and the kids that kind of get mm-hmm. progressively longer. You hear this train approaching as it gets louder and louder. And then right as it passes by, one kid sucker punches him, pulls out a gun. Paperboy's mouth gets bloodied. He's kind of fighting the kids off. Um, but he's also, I, I believe he's on like probation. So he's not, he can't really just like, I'm just going to kick the crap out of the, these kids. He's like trying to just like survive and, and get, get right. rid of them. But you know, a lone gunshot goes off as he's trying to escape. He, he kind of leaps into these woods nearby. He's running through them. Here's kind of this like taunting voice, um, of, of one of the kids that's, that's chasing him. And the scene ends with, you know, he's hiding, you know, he's all sweaty. He's got yeah. this really like bloody, you know, mouth. That's like a really just kind of jarring visual. Uh-huh. He's hiding behind this fallen tree trunk. He's grasping onto this like piece of, you know, tree wood as protection, <laughs> trembling in fear and sweat. And, <laughs> That's essentially it, and I guess, you know, just speaking out loud, it kind of just sounds like, oh, okay, what's, well, you know. No, no. It, it's pretty simple, but... You, it, you painted a picture there. I, I have a vivid memory of the scene now. Yeah, I think it just... The scene has such a strong sense of, like, realism in danger. Yeah. Like, I remember thinking, like, what's going to happen to Paperboy here? And, you know, mm-hmm. the show is so unpredictable in general, and, like, you really get a sense of, like, the size and physicality of, of Paperboy, you know, Brian Terry Henry. And, right the sound design of the train and the kind of that visual of his bloodied mouth. And it's simple, but just very powerful in its execution. You know, I, I will say uh, it's a story for another pod, but I've been jumped before. Uh, not, yeah. not on the, uh, in the sprawling city of Atlanta, but uh-huh. it has happened to me. And I, you know, I think that experience heightened this scene for me. And um, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I just, it felt really real and just super well executed and stopped doing your impression on me yeah um and so yeah this is this is the uh the scene of the year for me nice man that's uh that's a great uh recounting of that scene i need to watch i really would love to watch that entire season again but yeah Mm -hmm. that's a that's a good one so my my scene my most chilling haunting best moment of the year also comes from season two of Atlanta Robin season. It is the Teddy Perkins episode and specifically the end, the last really three to five minutes when, Mm. you know, goes down. Yes. Benny. You're alive. So this episode aired. It's episode six of the season, and it aired on FX without commercial breaks. And I believe it was over 30 minutes, like 38 minutes or something. Um, Mm -hmm. It really felt like a television event. And I I forget who sponsored it, but some, some company, you know, paid for all of the commercial breaks and, you know, had a huge spot at the beginning or whatever. Um, And yeah, I think it just really called for this to, you know, air without commercial breaks just because of the intensity and the weirdness of this entire episode. You know, Donald Glover plays uh, Teddy Perkins and, you know, I don't, necessarily want to spoil exactly what happens but um just the last three minutes um with Darius played by Lakeith Stanfield uh he's he's in the house with Teddy Perkins uh you know Donald Glover the whole time and it's this he basically goes to buy a piano and 
you know, this crazy stuff ensues and uh, the ending, just the climax uh, is so sort of jaw dropping. I, I have to say I was like sort of dumb, dumbfounded and just struck by it so much that I just stared at my TV screen for like five minutes when it ended. Like, Mm. I don't know if I, I can't remember if it went to black or, you know, commercials played, but I was just like, I didn't know what to do or how to react to it. I was watching it by myself and it was oh, just creepy incredible. Episode. It's His, so creepy. I mean, yeah. The Teddy Perkins performance. I mean, just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's Glover playing him. He's unrecognizable. I miss you could kind of tell like, if you know that it's Glover behind yeah. him, but just the visual and like the robe that he's wearing and uh-huh. his, his voice he he like the, the scenery like eats like an ostrich egg egg like, yeah that's, it's so yeah, like, weird I, I had like nightmares about that like last night you know like, i know so, yeah it, it, right it, it, it's a totally i mean just an example of that show just doing something completely <clears throat> completely original yeah i remember when it aired it was like it, it was one of those moments where like okay yes we'll be talking about this episode for sure the year. Um, well yeah and, I th- and just the the concept of the episode itself like the writing is just incredible just the the framework of the episode and then really what it's about when you dive into it it's like this you know um tortured artist and by a father and then the, the father is you know tortured by the son and ultimately you know very terrible things happen to both of them. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just great writing, great structure of television. Um, and it it barely features um, Brian Tyree Henry. I think he's in one scene, like a phone call with uh, Lakeith right. Stanfield's yeah, yeah. character. Um, but yeah, it's just shout out to... Yeah. It's just it's kind of like full of just bottle episodes. There's that loose narrative kind of running through it. But mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah I mean, this like, season you know, especially they, yep. was very like yeah. standalone episodes. They felt all sort of tied together yeah. in a way, but very you know separate, separated. Yeah, like I mean, the episode I mentioned, Woods. I don't. I think Glover's barely in it. I don't know if Lakeith Stanfield is. Uh-huh. Or, um, you know, so yeah, that, that's kind of like how that show rolls. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it, it was a very memorable, to say the least, episode yeah. from a and- extremely memorable show. <laughs> And I wanted to mention that um, somebody, people believe it was Lakeith Stanfield. I'm not sure if it's been confirmed, but dressed up as Teddy Perkins for the Emmys. And um, oh. it wasn't or Donald was it Glover. Glover. It was, no, it wasn't no, it Glover wasn't. because Glover was there like as himself. Uh, but or people... was it? He, he's, so, he's so good. He was actually both people. So. <laughs> yeah, he was both. Yeah, he teleported. <laughs> He'd be like the first for, yeah, ever like, yeah, to like, I don't know, clone, cloning yeah. ability. I don't know. And shout out um, to Brian Tyree Henry's just year overall. Atlanta, Widows, If Beale Street Could Talk. It, look out for oh, his yeah. scene in If Beale Street Could Talk. It's incredible. Yeah, I, need to, I need to see that still. Yeah. So Atlanta, I mean, what else can be said? It is, it's in a class of its own. For sure. I'm glad we, we both uh, felt that it, different episodes were deserving of our, our, our best scene of the year. So our next category is our guilty pleasure of the year (laughs) yeah and mine is can you hear can you hear it rob california California. cue in phantom planet right there
So, yeah, I know what you're thinking, but yeah, OC came out 15 years ago. Why the hell are you talking about it here? This is our podcast. Yes. And I don't think the OC has been muttered once. I don't think know, so. In the 30 plus episodes we've done. But seminal, seminal this, series in my this life. This is a top 10. <laughs> this is a top 10 all time show for me. I, I yeah. did a rewatch. Uh, with my girlfriend Becky, this kind of like slate summer into fall of uh-huh. seasons one and two, which are by far the best. It's all on. It's on Hulu. Nice. I loved this show in high school. Were you ever into the OC? I, I oh, forget. dude, I just said it's a seminal show in my life. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, okay, yes, yes, it's yes. one of yeah. I remember watching it in high school. You know, it was one of those. Wasn't on Fox, I think. Right. Yeah, and it was Fox. Fox. Yeah. So yeah, you're I supposed to be like the age every of- episode. The kids, like, you know, Adam Brody and Benjamin, uh-huh. like, they, they were playing, like, when it premiered, they were, like, supposed to be, like, sophomores in high school when we were sophomores, but they were also, like, 29 years old. So Yeah, like, they were, like, 20. Yeah, sure, 25. Sure. Yeah. But, I, so the OC, I, I just have to show it some love here because, yeah, I know it didn't come out this year, but we're talking TV, what we consumed, and what we want to talk about the most. OC, I don't want to derail this into an OC pod. Very book, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pump the brakes, but I just want to say... This show, I was shocked by how well it held up. I had seen, you know, like rewatched a few episodes here and there, but this is my first time basically since it was on to do like a full like end-to-end rewatch. Yeah. The performances all around, you know, Peter Gallagher is, is Sandy Cohen, a.k.a. the, the TV dad of the of the aughts. I'm just going to throw it out there. Nice. Incredible dad. Incredible TV dad. Uh, Benjamin McKenzie, who's actually kind of had the most success post-OC mm-hmm. and kind of got a lot of flack while this was on is like being kind of like a pretty like wooden actor and bad but i was actually like impressed by him this this go around i was like you know he for sure i don't know he, he's playing it well rachel bilson as summer you know yeah misha barton i don't know what she's doing today i hope she's alive i guess I, but marissa cooper <laughs> i'm pretty uh, sure you know, she is Tate, yeah yeah she's a lot yeah but I, she had like she hasn't done much heart. since. I'll yeah. Say, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the hipster character of Seth Cohen played by Adam Brody. I mean, uh-huh. talk about being ahead of your time as far as like, a character. Like the clothing, the sarcasm, the indie taste of music, obsessed with comic books. He is supposed to be a loser in this show, like particularly mm-hmm. when it like first first starts. But this like that's like the winner of like that culture. Now. Like that kind of yeah. guy. Like in, in it just struck me like how ahead of its time that character is. Um the storylines I found to be really compelling. I mean, of course, there's like some, you know, a lot of like romantic love triangles and, and some over the top characters, but it's, mm-hmm. it's always compelling. And the adults had very like engrossing storylines too. Um, mm-hmm. It has a nice balance there. It, just really strong like rhythm. Like it hits familiar beats. It was a show, you know, it was on Fox. So it, it kind of like feeds you those comforting beats. And it just. I don't know, like I, I I was comforted by it. And I, I also just want to um shout out how much of a watershed show this was for like indie rock like sync play like placements. Like Yeah. OC soundtracks like are just straight up like really good albums. Like they're all on Spotify. Like go just put put an OC soundtrack on and like just let it vibe out. You know, it broke Death Cab for Cutie, one of my all-time favorite bands, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Killers, Emojin Heap, The Walkmen, you know, Franz Ferdinand, Youth Group. I mean, tons and tons of indie bands of that era. Uh-huh. And I think it really just kind of elevated the material and kind of gave it a, you know, the show overall, like a distinct voice. Um, and yeah, like I, I, it's still to this day, like, you know, working in the music industry, like, and people that do sync, OC is still considered like very important uh, for, for, yeah. for those reasons. 
And I think if you put the show on on Netflix, it's high drama, man. So much, so much tension, so oh. much, uh, you know, teen angst and yeah, yeah, just yeah. big social issues touched on, and yeah. yeah, all sorts of stuff. It's a great show. Totally, a lot of like fist fights on yeah. a beach and things. Scenes and, you are know. flooding back into my head. I'm having all these memories. I'm, and of course, it's like the OC, so it's not the classic American experience, you know, it's a, uh, it's a pretty narrow uh, look at like privileged, this, <laughs> yeah, super, uh, oh my God. you know, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, rich people and, you know, but it, it, it's kind of like escapism at its finest, I would say. Yes. And I think if they put this on Netflix, like I said, it's on Hulu, it would get like a similar treatment as like friends has gotten from this younger generation. Like, yeah. They need to make that happen, the licensing, figure it out, put it on Netflix, OC, I know. have a crazy resurgence. Yeah, I wonder why. That's that's weird. I don't I don't know all the rights things with that, but yeah, that seems like it would just blow up again on Netflix. Yeah. So OC, guilty pleasure. Cool. I, it's not even guilty. I don't know. I just kinda wanted to fit it in there because I No, no, I get you. I get you. Christmas episodes so... too. It's it's the holidays. Watch the Christmas cut. Those are those are oh. don't sleep on this. Good stuff. Yeah. Anyway, um, what is your? Yeah, uh, well, it's tough because like guilty pleasures have become sort of less and less. I mean, unless you watch yeah, like definitely. The Bachelor or The Bachelor, you know, it's like or yeah. things like that. You 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 can just choose what you want to watch so specifically that why you know it's hard it's yeah, hard to classify judgment. things into guilty pleasures because they're just pleasures. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not ashamed of any of them, but <laughs> no. Um, so I, I sort of frame this differently. I just wanted to shout out a few shows that um, I'm not guilty of watching or for watching. You know, I, I feel proud to watch them and uh, mm, they they deserve, they deserve a wide audience. Um, it's three Netflix shows that I just wanted to mention because I don't know if anyone's, if we're either of us are going to mention them otherwise. But it's um, Big Mouth Season 2, which we talked about oh, yeah. last year. We love Big Mouth. Glow season two, starring Allison Brie, who's nominated for a Golden Globe. She's amazing as the lead. Mark Maron's in there. Uh, just a great like female-led cast of like these ten great actors. Um, yeah, it's a really cool show. Highly recommend that one if if you still haven't checked that out. Um, and then also the Great British Baking Show. Uh, I just can't get away from it. It's called the Great British Bake Off <laughs> on on uh, BBC or wherever it airs yes. in, in, in Britain. But um, here I still need on to PBS, watch I, I've been so Netflix. close to like the stream now. Dude, on this, I I mean, you gotta watch it. Like, yeah, yeah. Everyone I talk to about it loves it. The the dynamic between the the characters, I'm mean, not characters, but contestants and the host Paul Hollywood. Uh, the, they have new hosts now. The the original two are are off, but the the two new ones, Noel and someone else that I'm forgetting. I'm blanking on her name, but uh, yeah, they're it's just such a fun show and uh, I guess sort of a guilty pleasure because I don't really bake, but I love watching the show about baking. Mm. Um, and it makes me want to bake someday, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just great. It's fun. Um, but I also wanted to touch on, um, because I don't know where else it will fit in. And I feel like nobody, I've, I've never heard anybody else mention this show or talk about it at all. It's another Netflix series. All three of those you, you can find on Netflix that I just talked about. But um, it's this little docu-series created by Vox Media mm. um, called Explained. Yes.
have you watched any of these episodes? I actually have a friend who did a, a documentary for it. Shout out Ranjani if you're listening. She works for Vox. Really? And she actually has, yeah, she's a, a producer and made an, an episode that actually I still need Damn. to watch. It's been on my list forever, but uh, yeah. Do you know not, which not one? To, not to name drop. It's about um, monogamy, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. She, cool. Yeah, she's, she's the producer. So. I awesome. am familiar with it in that way, but I did not know that. I have not not seen it. I mean, Vox they do like just really quality content, so it doesn't surprise me that it's good. Yeah, I think it's just Vox. I said Vox Media, yeah. but I think it's just Vox. But yeah, um, this is a really cool docu series. There's 20 episodes in their first season on Netflix right now, um, and they actually dropped them. It's a little unique for Netflix. They dropped them every Wednesday, not all at once. I think they were probably you know completing them as they went, so. Um, they, they staggered them out a little bit, but, um, they're all about 15 to 20 minutes and the episodes are just really, really packed with information. And, you know, it's, it's, um, subjects like music, uh, the world's water crisis, why (laughs) women are paid less, uh, the female orgasm, uh, weed, tattoo, yeah, cricket, the sport, um, K-pop, esports, the stock market, uh, cryptocurrency. It's just like all these subjects that are really topical and, you know, monogamy, which you mentioned, that's the, actually the very first episode. Cool for that. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, that dropped on May 23rd. So I guess they dropped the first three episodes May 23rd. And then after that, it was once a week on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out to that format. It's just kind of cool that they... Uh, you know, Netflix doesn't do that often, so it's uh, cool that they did that. But yeah, um, super informative show, really cool, like well-produced, well-made, uh, great, you know, interviews and just packed full of information, as I said, and highly recommend it. I feel like people are not watching or talking about this, and I'm sure they're working on more episodes now. I mean, it's kind of a show that could go on forever with subject matter. You know, there's there's a never-ending supply of, like, subjects, so... Um, it's really cool docu series and highly recommend it. Awesome. I also want to shout out uh, Queer Eye on Netflix. As yes. A yeah, player. yeah. That, that show was, was actually on my like list. Yeah. Super entertaining. Uh, Becky oh, has yeah. it on. Had it on quite a bit earlier this year, and I love that too. Yeah, I mean, I just think like the personalities on it, like the five guys or whatever, like yeah. they're just really uh, delightful. And yeah, I, I remember being like, "Hey, this show, this show's good." <laughs> so, yeah. And shout out to Jonathan hair. Van Ness, um, the the hairdresser slash like stylist one of the five. He also has a podcast called Getting Curious with Jonathan Jonathan Van Ness. And mm. not that I want to promote other podcasts, but uh, oh, yeah, yeah. it's it's a great one. Yeah. Shout out uh, Caronimo used to be in Real World Philadelphia. Oh really? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Do you know? Do you, do you do you know? Are you connecting the dots here? Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Wow. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Whoa. Oh my god. Yeah. I just had like a just let that marinate. Yeah, my brain just went for us went for a run. Yeah. So let's get into our next category, which is the year I finally got into dot dot dot, a show that we I guess, you know, been meaning to catch up on that maybe had you know, had a new season this year uh-huh. that was kind of a motivating factor. For me We're in agreement was, here, by the way. We're gonna talk about the same show. So this is billions. gonna be a, a gush fest. <laughs> billions. Yes, got billions. This year. I think I, I started watching it first and I just texted you like, you got to watch Billions, uh, especially <laughs> that first season. Yeah. You know, I don't have like a ton to say about it. I mean, it's anchored by these performances of D. 
Damian Lewis, Paul Giamatti, uh, Maggie Siff is Wendy Rhodes, an amazing performance. Yeah. And it's just captivating from like the very first scene, which is a it's a weird scene. The first, I don't remember like the first. Oh, they like <laughs> quite yeah, weird. Yeah, right, right. You're like, am I? I actually thought like, am I on the right? Did I select the right thing? Right. But I will say I, it yeah. did. It did seem to take uh, a couple episodes to to get its form. You know, so if you're if you're a little turned off by the first few episodes, like stick with it. It gets really really great. So yeah. Mm. It's a yeah, it's a fast moving story. Uh and you know, just like juicy plot lines and yeah, it's not reinventing the wheel at all. It's not like a show that's like, you know, super well like shot like, you know, in Atlanta <laughs> or Homecoming or something. I mean, it's uh-huh. just again, like the performances are great. It's a well told story. You know, it's fun to just like watch really rich people kind of like play out their lives and have problems and stuff. Yeah. And I uh I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's about Axe Capital. Basically, it centers around Bobby Axelrod, played by Damian Lewis's uh, uh, investment hedge fund or uh, whatever it is, a big investment uh, firm in in Manhattan. And they're all, you know, hence the name billionaires, or at least he is, and he, he interacts with other billionaires on the show. Um, and then Chuck Rhodes, played by Paul Giamatti, is this uh, the U.S. attorney, uh, of the third southern district of Manhattan or whatever it is, or of New York, which it, which yeah, yeah. encompasses Manhattan, and um, he's sort of you know going after Bobby for various crimes, uh, you know, uh, white collar crimes, and yeah, it's just a really it's just high entertainment, and the dynamic between those three characters that you mentioned, Wendy and Chuck and Bobby, uh, is just like super captivating the whole way through and and just yeah. the ups and downs of the various characters and like just the comedy between the the people yeah, very and, funny at times yeah really funny and it's it's created by um uh brian koppelman and david levian and then A- andrew ross sorkin also is uh credited as a creator um and those two guys have done, they did like rounders, the film and mm-hmm. various other things that they've teamed up together, but th- just their way of writing is really, it's like pop culture reference heavy, you know, like there's always references to like sports and pop culture events and, you know, characters just like talking like regular people do, you know, and mm-hmm. they bring up mm-hmm. random stuff that's you know memories of their lives and events and culture and um you know bill simmons from the ringer is really close with the brian koppelman you know it's like the perfect show for the ringer and perfect uh sort of uh relationship there but um yeah, yeah. it's it's such a fun show there's three seasons now on showtime i i hadn't gotten into it because i didn't have a, a showtime password but now I'm, well, you got, uh, I'm you sharing. got one and now you're watching it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sharing with a Basically, friend yeah. and I gave him my Hulu password and he gave me a Showtime password. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's don't cool. tell that's anyone. Um, that's the but, currency. That's, that's the currency. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so I binged the entire thing with Natalie, my girlfriend, in about uh, a month or two, I would say. And yeah, really loved it. I'm, season four will be coming out in 2019. Word. So let's get into our... Our last uh, category, which is, of course, the best season of the year. Yeah. And for me, this was an easy decision, and it is Barry. Nice. 
which we talked about earlier this year. Uh, I think only the the pilot episode uh, we just wanted to kind of hit on, and I don't think we yeah. we we talked about the rest of the season. Pound for pound, though, episode by episode, my favorite show of this year. Just an incredible blend of of tones. It really has, you know, some of the funniest moments and some of the most tense. Like mm-hmm. it has, like one of the best action scenes of anything I, I've seen. You know, where that kind of that raid scene in the in the middle of the, of the season, and just like really impressed with the range that yeah. this show and season had. The writing and performances were excellent. The development of Hader's character from the pilot and just like the practicality of, of Barry's hitman profession and kind of like how he rationalizes it. And, you know, he's this Iraq mm-hmm. veteran. You kind of understand why he's doing what he's doing in a way. He has that amazing monologue at the end of season one uh, with Henry Winkler where he, he really he sheds light into like why he found himself in this life. And you can like kind of just totally understand it in a way. Yeah, when I got back from Afghanistan, I uh, was really depressed. You know, like I didn't leave my house for months. And uh, this friend of my dad's, he's, uh, he's like an uncle to me. He, uh, he helped me out and he gave me a purpose. He told me that, that what I was good at over there could be useful here. And uh, it's a job, you know, right? the money's good. And uh, these people I take out, like, they're, they're bad people. Um, so even though he is this hitman and definitely does some bad things, particularly towards the end of the season, which really creates this conflict, I think, with the viewer a lot that's, uh, I was, like, really just struck by. Mm. But, you know, the cast, I, I really love uh, Anthony Kerrigan is, is NoHo Hank, who's kind of not a villain, but kind of this this char- this bald-headed, tattooed, uh, Bulgarian <laughs> dude who's just kind of like a perfect like foil to Barry, and he's yeah. very naive and, and doesn't really... I, I don't know. I always got a kick out of him when he was on the screen. Nice. Um, you know, I mentioned Henry Winkler, uh, Glenn uh, Fleschler, who is an amazing character actor you've seen on like True Detective Season 1. He's in Billions, which we just mentioned. He He kind of plays like... Uh, the main antagonist in Mm. in the season. Hater won the Emmy that he definitely deserved to. I was really excited about that. And kind of the way the series unfolds throughout these eight episodes, it really reminded me of like Breaking Bad in a way. Um, Really a a hell of a a season finale. It's a show that really takes risks and kind of goes there with a lot of its moments and doesn't really hold back. And I'll be really curious to see what they do in season two because it almost felt like they packed two seasons into one in a way. Hmm. Um, I will say I I, I kind of have a slight bias where I I randomly like did a tweet about the show like when the series finale ended uh-huh. and it like it got like I don't know it caught fire. I mean it, it oh really like it went super viral, but it it ended yeah. up with like three hundred likes or something. So I was oh, like cool. oh, all right, I guess I guess know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, people love Barry. But yeah, if you're if you are listening to this, you haven't watched Barry. It's only it's eight thirty minute episodes. Yeah, HBO. Um, it's just it's it's fantastic, and I can't recommend it enough. So that that was uh, easily my my favorite season of the year in TV that I that I watched. Awesome, man. Uh, I have to I have to tell you something here, and just you know, hold on to your butt. Um, mm. I haven't finished Barry. I what. And, yeah, and, so and, and podcasts <laughs> right. no. and space bar, we're done. No, um, <laughs> right. no, I 
I watched the first four episodes, I believe, and Natalie finished it, and it just like not for any particular reason, honestly. I just it uh, for some reason I just didn't finish it, but I'm going to finish it. People love it. I know it's great, and uh, it's, it's just good, one yeah. of those. Finish it over uh, for your winter break. Huh? Yeah, exactly. I, I'm. It's almost like in this era of television, it's kind of nice to have something that you know is really good just on the back burner and you're just saving it for the right time. It's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm like sick or I have two days off in a row. You know, it's like you can just binge it and enjoy it and not try to rush it. So yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry, I haven't seen that whole thing yet, but you should, you should be looking forward to it. (laughs) Um, All right, so my favorite season of television for the year was hinted at at the very beginning with that incredibly narrow reference, Succession, season one, HBO. Excuse me? Greg? Are you kidding? Hey, Tom. Forgive me, but uh, we talking to each other on the poop deck of a majestic schooner? Is the salty brine stinging my weather-beaten face? I can't get over how narrow that reference was. <laughs> it was quite narrow. Yeah, um, but it's a great moment there between um, yes. two of my favorite characters, Greg and Tom. And so basically this show is about a New York-based family, um, fictional family, but um, sort of based in reality, you know, in a lot of, you know... families exist. Classic... Yeah, classic American, you know, rich family. And uh, the the father, played by, oh, what's his name? Brian Cox, Logan Roy. Um, Logan Roy is the character's name, uh, played by Brian Cox. He just leads this family. He basically created this media empire. And uh, in his in his like prime, you know, in his uh, adulthood. And he has these mm-hmm. uh, this this family. Um, four kids and uh their uh what are their names uh roman uh connor connor's the oldest and then kendall is the second oldest and then shiv uh and roman played so roman's played by kieran culkin uh kendall roy's played by jeremy strong shiv roy played by sarah snook and connor roy the oldest played by alan ruck from uh, you know, Ferris Bueller's Day Off fame. But right, yeah, I, yeah. yeah, this the, the dynamic between these four kids uh, and the, the father and then the stepmother, Marcia, um, is just really fascinating throughout this entire season. And the show's really about the dysfunction within this family and sort of, so something happens with the father. He has a, an, a medical issue in the first episode, I believe, I believe it was the first episode, yeah, mm-hmm. and at the end of it, and the 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 rest of the season is really about his recovery, and the family is sort of fighting to figure out who's gonna take over the company, um, you know, what the legacy of this company is gonna be when their father eventually does pass away, um, and just figuring out like how to move forward if if their father dies, you know, and um, there's dysfunction within, you know, uh, drug abuse, uh, especially with the Kendall character. 
um, verbal abuse, <laughs> verbal abuse, uh, you know, yeah. emotional abuse, just every, every form of like family dysfunction you can think of. Yeah. And, yeah. but it's, I don't know if I'm presenting this very well, but it's, it's just the way it's written is just great. It's I think a, it was the best writing on TV this year. Yeah. And, and the way that it's a comedy, well, I was yeah, going to go say ahead. like, it, it's, uh, from what you described, like it is a comedy more than anything. I yeah. Would say. In a way, right? It's just like, yeah, well, you're just kind of like, it's like this dark, you know, his father, what can he eventually die? You know, like, it, which is all true, like, on paper, like, that is the plot. Um, yeah, that was a terrible job of, like, no, 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 no. I mean, it's, it's all, it's all, it's all true. Yeah. I, it would say, I don't know if you, you, like, created by Adam McKay, who obviously has, like, great comedic sensibilities. He's the man who made Anchorman and Talladega Nights and, he, I don't know if he, I think he's like a co-creator. I think the, the, the main creator is this guy named Jesse yeah, Armstrong yeah. and he, he wrote, I, th- I believe all of the episodes, maybe mm-hmm. uh, co-created by Adam McKay. And I know McKay directed the first episode. Um, but yeah, the, the show, it, it is based in comedy. I would say you're right about that. And um, it premiered June 3rd on HBO um, every, it was the Sunday, you know, prime show during the summer and um it had amazing titles episode titles i wanted to mention uh get ready get the bleeps ready Shit show at the fuck factory uh sad sack wasp trap i went to market and then of course prague is an amazing episode and then the last it two doesn't episodes take place in prague no it doesn't it no it takes place in, place in, the in under, like the underbelly of... let me tell you i've not i've been in new york 8 years have not been at a party like that i feel bad it's, it's too um, bad uh, right. but then also like episodes 9 and 10 are prenuptial and nobody is ever missing uh, which they go over to england so the the original the mother of these four kids is this english woman and uh, you know she's divorced Logan Roy and they go over for Shiv's wedding to Tom and um, the last two episodes are those you know that experience and all sorts of stuff happens the last episode is just I mean it's it's like it's just incredible just what happens the drama that it unfolds and um, yeah like you said just the comedy throughout and the the dynamic between Greg uh, I want to get his name real quick um Greg and Tom, uh, oh, yeah. cousin Greg is just probably my favorite character on the show. Um, yeah, I also really like the Kieran Culkin who, yes, if people haven't guessed by now, is Macaulay Culkin's brother. Brother, the Culkin yeah. clan is they 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 you know Rory Rory Culkin and Signs. I mean they, yeah. they do some things. No, so, for sure, Kieran Culkin, he's nominated for he, a Golden Globe for this. Yeah, he he had I think the most impressive like character arc throughout the mm. season where he is so awful in those first few episodes but kind of as it develops you kind of sympathize with him and he kind of became like my favorite character um, sure i think finale... jeremy i think jeremy strong playing kendall has the the biggest arc and the best yeah, performance yeah. on the show i i think he was totally robbed not that the, i'm a huge like advocate of the golden globes and their nominations not that i really care about them but he should have been nominated for best actor in a drama series like that is a total snub he was amazing number one boy um and <laughs> yeah just uh, he was he was great go ahead sorry the I heard an accurate comparison of the show saying that it's basically like billions meets veep. And I think that is oh, a yeah. very good way of kind of summing it up. I also For want to sure. shout out this had the best original like 
in- intro like score of any mm. show this year like uh-huh. by this composer uh, Nicholas Brattel who he did the, yeah. the score for Moonlight uh, Big Short uh, for the upcoming uh, film Vice it just has and like if this Beale Street amazing, could talk too yeah yeah like distorted drums and like this crackling mm-hmm. piano and I, I listen to that I'm like dude like get this guy like let's have him like produce for like Vince Staples or something like he yeah. should be like making like hip hop beats. And I think he has like a bit of that background, but uh-huh. I really love the, uh, the score and yeah, that, that piano riff and the strings come in. It's just like, it, it, it is one of the cooler scores that I've, I've heard for any show in a while. Yeah. One of the biggest names in film and television scoring right now, he's just doing great things. But, uh, yeah, a shout out. I, I found the names. Nicholas Braun plays Greg Hirsch, cousin Greg. And then Matthew McFadden plays Tom, who's marrying Shiv and is sort of this pawn of the family and gets pushed around, and but also does some pushing back. And it's the dynamic between them is just incredible throughout the whole season and love both of their performances. Yeah, so it is coming back for season two in 2019. I don't know the, the date, probably, you know, early summer again. Probably right after... Th- thrones ends i can imagine yeah that makes sense that'd be a good timing for it I, I would say that i think this show did benefit a lot from not having thrones in in the picture and i sure. think it you know just not having that insane intention around thrones and the elephant it, in the room but yeah. breathe yeah and like it kind of it kind of dominated the summer as like the you know the most the buzziest show mm-hmm. and you know it has the prestige of like hbo and you know the sunday night hour-long you know, whatever, like, yeah, it definitely benefited from that. And mm-hmm. yeah, I could see next year it, it being slotted in like the week after the Game of Thrones series finale, which will be. Yeah. God, will the world. Well, I consumed this show. I consumed it. Uh, I waited. I hadn't started it. So I was able to watch it all at once. Um, I didn't mm-hmm. watch it when it first started. And it was when Natalie was traveling and I crushed this season in like four nights, just you know, watch two or three episodes every night. And then mm-hmm. when she got back into town, I forced her to watch the watch it again <laughs> with me. And I watched, so I've seen yeah. every every episode twice. And honestly, I'll probably rewatch the whole season again before the second season. I love it that much. And mm. I can't, can't recommend it to, highly enough. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. So that does it for kind of the categories. I guess a few other shows that maybe we didn't get to i kind of wanted to shout out on my end um yeah one again like not necessarily a show that you know that premiered this year but i had new episodes parts unknown which we talked about unfortunately when bourdain passed back in june mm-hmm. i i watched it all throughout that month to kind of commemorate his passing just so utterly watchable an amazing show to watch while mm-hmm. you eat or even just watch while you do anything but you just feel more cultured and like it's absorbing like Bourdain content into your yeah. veins. Like it's just awesome. And it's just great to have on even in the background. Right. Love and, Bourdain. Uh, yeah. It's, it's on Netflix. So 
I, I yeah parts unknown like you can never go wrong great with thing that. to do work to you know like yeah have your laptop open sure and sure same with no reservations i think that's all still on netflix yeah, it's yeah. it's great to have on like you said in the background like doing dishes or whatever i watched an episode from this uh netflix docu-series hip-hop evolution only one episode but the new york state of mind episode was really good because mm. it basically profiles the rise of of uh nas wu-tang and biggie all in the 90s all in new york and kind of each yeah. tells their own story in like a 50 minute episode which i i mean i'm a huge fan of all three three of those you know mcs <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know wu-tang is a you know group of nine i know you are too uh so i, I mean I we, we all know i know more about rap than you sure, but it's sure. it's fine <laughs> no, let's get into it right now um <laughs> yeah. but i uh i, I really For people that don't know that's a that's a throwback to our uh, a huge college argument we had in the bahamas yeah, we spent the last almost night almost ruined our relationship yeah we were on no, the rocks joking, we didn't speak joking. for like two years now yeah. uh we were as <laughs> yeah. as we say I think in the intro episode we we were both single at the time that is why we spent the last night of our college senior spring break arguing <laughs> over who knows more about rap music uh so and then I guess yeah one other show I wanted to shout out is one I just wrapped up is uh Bodyguard on Netflix yeah. have you watched this yet No I haven't yet So it's a apparently it was like a massive massive show in the UK and they put mm-hmm. it on Netflix for US audiences it's kind of this contemporary thriller about the royalty protection branch of, you know, uh, UK parliament, government. And it actually stars Rob from Game of Thrones. Yeah, Rob Stark. Richard Madden. who's like dummy. Unrecognizable, but like it is jacked. And like uh-huh. he, I don't know, it took me a while to realize like, oh my God, that's that's Rob from Game of Thrones. But the show, it's, it's only six episodes. It's engrossing. It's unpredictable, I would say. It has a lot of like, 24 vibes i don't know if you were into 24 nice. and you're kind of looking definitely that feeling Dick. again um Dick. it yeah. felt like a like a prestige like basic cable show which is kind of like a backhanded nice. compliment in a way but like no 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 it has that kind of people vibe. love like, those i could have seen yeah like it, it could have been on like cbs but yeah was still was still very good this is not a realistic show there's a lot of you know, every episode there's like some terrorist attack. I mean, not that that stuff isn't happening in the world, but it is very over the top and preposterous. But I think the plot, it twists and turns a lot. It's hard to know who's on whose side. And overall, yeah, it's, it's very enjoyable. I, I would say, yeah, it could be like a good like holiday watch. It's only yeah, six one hour episodes. Nice. They say the word uh, ma'am, but it's in a British accent. So it sounds like mom. mom. And I'm yeah. not kidding. Mom. This is I said over like 900 <laughs> times in really? six hours. Like it, it is insane. Like, I, I don't know. It was like kind of like overdone. I don't know. It was just like, I've been to London, you know, quite a few times. Like I've never, I'm not that I'm like hanging with parliament, but like, I, I, know, <laughs> I just, I, I would just like, all right, let's just cool down on the mums. Cool um, down on the mums. Yeah. Bodyguard is, is, is a, uh, was a, was a solid watch this year. So nice. those are just a few uh, miscellaneous shout outs I wanted to give if, if Rob, there are any on. Yeah, I had a couple I'll do quickly. Um, I wanted to shout out the the show, the 30-minute comedy show, um, eight episodes on Amazon Prime uh, forever. And I think you watched oh, yeah. this too, right? I caught right? some of it, yes. Yeah, starring... I watched half. I did not finish, but... Okay, okay. Yeah, um, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's also, like you said, uh, with um, with what show? Uh, slightly anticlimactic uh what what did yeah. you say was anticlimactic? Uh, homecoming, I believe. Homecoming, yeah, yeah. So this, I mean, it, it kind of trailed off toward the end for me, and I didn't 
necessarily love the entire thing, but I loved just sort of um, the concept and the dynamic between Maya Rudolph and Fred Armisen, um, th- who play the two leads, this married couple. Do you remember the time we were here and we saw all those butterflies? Oh yeah, that was really cool. Where do you think they were all going? Probably the Grand Canyon. That's where I would go if I could fly. Mm. And it's co-created by Alan Yang, who does um, the show uh, with Aziz um, on Netflix. Yeah. um, What is it it called? Master Master of None. None. Yeah, Yeah, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Not fully prepared with this statement, but yeah. um, It's just a cool show. It's fun. It's light and uh, deals with, you know, some serious issues as well, like death. Um, (laughs) The lightest show about death you can find. (laughs) It is the lightest show about death I've ever watched. Um, Yeah, just fun. I love Maya Rudolph and Fred Armisen. Catherine Keener's also in it. Um, Yeah, it's a a cool show. Um, And then also I wanted to shout out something that I haven't watched, but I think is probably my biggest omission of the year is The Little Drummer Girl. Have you have yeah, you seen or watched any of this? I, I believe it's a, a mini series on AMC. Uh, AMC. Yeah, yeah. I don't know like anything about it, but I've heard of it. And... Yeah, there's a lot of buzz about it. People really like it, but I have not watched yeah, yeah. that. I just wanted to like literally just say the name of it. Um, <laughs> yes, and <laughs> we we and know then, things. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, and then a couple other things I watched this year, like I'm almost literally naming everything that I watched this year, because like I said, I did not watch as much TV as usual this year, but, uh, the haunting, the haunting of Hill house on Netflix was a cool series. Um, that, that was huge. I I did not see any of it. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm, I'm saving Mm -hmm. up for October next year. I can't watch it after October. I was like watching, you know, like horror films and stuff. And I just, didn't have the time again. I was yeah taking this sure. like, night class and all these things, but I I that that's probably my biggest omission of that. That was kind of like a cultural moment for it was it was a lot of people watched October. it and talked about it. Yeah, it was it was a little bit of a water cooler show for a while, but I will say it's not really like it is definitely framed and built upon like horror storytelling, um, you know, uh, traits and and uh you know classic tropes but it's not necessarily like that scary um it it just has this um sort of it plays a lot with like the the similarities between fear and sadness and um it made me feel things that i don't know if i've ever felt watching a show it was like sort of a mixture between deep deep agony and sadness and then like all of a sudden you're horrified you know it's like this weird feeling <laughs> like, like good it, time. no i know it doesn't at all but it you know it i have to say it wasn't that great of a time to watch at times um it's really well made though like uh the, a lot of the technique there's one episode uh which has a lot of tracking shots like extended yeah. you know 13 15 minute tracking shots pretty cool um really good acting and just an interesting you know, classic like haunted house story. Um, I've heard it. And, it's quite frightening. From I've heard from several really? people that were like, "Yeah, I was sleeping with the lights on." Like while I, was I mean, there like, no. Yeah. So yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to like make people 
show it to their 10 year olds. It's, it's not for them, but, um, it just, I don't know. It, it didn't have, I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's like the format of a TV show, you know, it can't, it can't be scary the entire way through, but, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess it is in the horror genre, but it's, it's not like jump scares left and right. Out, right. Yeah. It, there is like the a drama. Yeah, and a family yeah, yeah, story, yeah. so it, it's slow at times and really sad. There's, like, stuff about drug abuse and other issues um, that permeate Fun. in American families. But, um, yeah, it's just a really cool show and recommend that one, too. Um, Maniac on Netflix, I I didn't necessarily love, but I, I liked elements of. And, you know, Emma Stone and Jonah Hill, Carrie Joji Fukunaga directed and I believe wrote it. Um, cool show. Uh, yeah, so those are really like all I had to mention, and yeah, yeah. Any final thoughts on the year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we covered yeah what we what we enjoyed most. I mean, yeah, there were other things that I checked out, like you know, like the terror, for example. Like you know, I saw like an episode or two there, and you know, other shows or whatnot. But I think the things I felt most strongly about, we we covered in in detail so uh yeah that's gonna do it for this episode of must go faster thanks so much everybody as always for listening we are not gonna take another hiatus and we're gonna be back soon with our 10 best songs a piece of the year followed by our 10 best movies we are super stoked to be doing those so um you'll hear from us then the list making has commenced missed it ben great to be back peace